0: Hi there, you listen to the Fox Tales, uh, my name is Ivo, and that's our episode three. Uh, today you are going to listen to my voice only, uh, so I'm going to be recording this without Nasco. but I hope it's going to be an interesting podcast because we actually have a special guest. The topic of the episode is Bandcamp, and with me uh, it's going to be Ali Gian- Giuliani, who is a label manager for Bandcamp and also founder of First World Records. Um before that, I'm gonna speak a bit about the platform itself and my uh, thoughts and experience with it, um, and then we're gonna tune in Ali, uh, who's gonna dial in from London. Before anything, uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram or join our Discord. I also would like to thank, thank our producer Boyan, who is here helping me making this sound nice. I have to be honest, third episode, uh, I'm starting to like to like talking on the mic. Uh, although it's quite a new experience for me. And yeah, hope it's fun and interesting. Um, not sure how much it's gonna take, but let's take it. So, Bandcamp, um, I would like to believe that there isn't an independent musician who doesn't know what Bandcamp is, but I'm gonna start with a bit of a history. Um, Essentially, what Bandcamp is, is a digital community that facilitates the process of bringing fans and artists together. Um, It's a place where people who, I would say, let's say hardcore fans, gather together to find new music and support uh, the artists directly. It's very different than a standard streaming platform. And actually, um, the whole idea of this episode came from an interview I was listening to with, with the founder, um, back in April for a podcast called How I Built This with Guy Raz. And uh, I really loved what he said and how he views the, the platform. So even though a lot of people confuse Bandcamp with a streaming platform, it's more of a community and a marketplace and he compares it with Etsy. Um, so yeah, tradition, it's very different than traditional DSP for a number of reasons. Um, if you compare, let's say Spotify, uh, where you have a lot of editorial playlists and and it's very single and track focused. Bandcamp as a marketplace um, is really valuing the the essence of an album, uh, and it that's at the center of uh, at the center of everything. The whole business model, the whole business model is also very different. In a traditional DSP, you have a payout which is calculated based on a, a paper stream, and the whole royalties is a bit of a black box, and you're not exactly sure how they, these payouts are calculated. On average, for comparison, it's 0.003 cents or 4 In Bandcamp, however, the payout is basically what fans decide a release is worth or however, um, however the creator has decided to charge for his um, album. So for example, for me as an artist, I can put my album from $10 for $10 and then the artist, if they want to pay for that, that's how much I'll get. Minus the cut that goes for Bandcamp. Um, uploading on DSP is also a bit of a sort of gatekeeper, so you have to go through a distributor. While Bandcamp, pretty much anyone can upload their their album or release. Same same applies for labels and artists as well. Um, on DSP, you have ads, and there's a lot of data collection. While on Bandcamp, as I said, the revenue model is based on share of sales, which are from the artist from the fans to the artist. And the other big difference, uh, and it's another reason why I really love Bandcamp, it's a privately owned company, which is profitable. So besides the fact that it's very interesting um, business from given that it's kind of against everything that people say about digital, digital streaming, it's also giving people like me hope that you can just have a privately owned, a profitable company and build it as a family business and... Uh, kind of promote good causes so that's about Bandcamp it's been around since 2008 so I post MySpace pre-Spotify days and while there's quite a few new features um, I would say the concept has always remained the same and it's basically a way for artists to kind of gain um, direct support from their fans it's sort of like Patreon but specified for for music Um, it also has elements of Let's say type of uh, WordPress because it does create like a landing page for artists and labels, um, and collects the essential information that one needs to upload um, in order to sell their their uh, their music, whether that's a digi- uh, digital um, like digital files or physical goods like vinyls, cassettes, and as of lately, actually tickets because they launched a live streaming um, feature. One cool thing, uh, they got, they were labeled by The Guardian uh, in 2020 as the heroes of streaming because all the support they've given to artists and uh, a few initiatives they've did, did like Bandcamp Friday, which is something we're going to be speaking later on the podcast. Um, but yeah, if you think about it, back in the back in 2008 and uh there was no way for bands to actually gather direct support uh, from fans and that Made it was a white label solution for artists and label to showcase their music, share around to fans, um, and was ter- sort of alternatives to MySpace. But to be honest, um, I, I as a, someone who actually used MySpace, um, I would say they're a bit incomparable. Um, some quick facts about the platform: currently, there is around ten thousand independent labels on the platform. I was checking this today. Some of my favorite labels are there: Ninja Tune, Fat Cat, Sergeant House, which they do more post rock and mat rock kind of music. Hyperdub, Late Night Tales, which is I think is a label of Bonobo, um, Future Classic and True Thoughts. So a lot of, I would say, big, um, prominent labels are using that. And as I said, it's an online record store and music community. um, And they focus on facilitating digital music sales and physical sales, as I said. Um, One thing that's particular about the platform, which I think is very interesting, is how they def- how one would define a fan on Bandcamp, because let's say if you're on Spotify, a fan might be con- considered someone who follows or likes your music or streams it, which is awesome, but um, how to put it nicely? It's a little um, effort on your side. While on Bandcamp, the f- actual fans are the really hardcore dedicated fans because there is a transaction. There is a monetary transaction between the fan and the artist, because even though they can stream the platform, uh, the music, uh, most of the people actually buy, um, buy the album. So it's it's. I would say if I were if I were an artist, I would really think, okay, my community that I've built on Bandcamp is my really hardcore and true fans because they've kind of went beyond um, the normal to support my music. So. Yeah, I think that's a very important differentiation. Uh, I want to put a quote, which I um, I read in one of the interviews with with the founder. And that was... I me just read it on my notes. So, yeah, that's what I feel we are here to build. We are building a system. And and the way you do that is by ensuring that the artists are compensated fairly and transparently for their work. And that, that is... The direct support of their fans. I don't think of Bandcamp as a digital streaming service. So again, going back to the confusion of, uh, oh, okay, my music in Spotify and Apple and Deezer and Tidal, and that's that's it. I, I personally, as a someone who runs a label, I look at the Bandcamp as just another piece or element in the mix, and it does well for some artists, and it doesn't... Like, it really depends, in my opinion, on the genre and the type of artist you are, but it's, intri- but it's very... Mm, low effort to try out and you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen. They also have discovery um engine which we're going to talk a bit uh, about a bit later. So as i said, like you never know. Um another thing uh which applies for Bandcamp is that ability to directly message fans. So i'll give you an example with uh, with our label with Starfox when people pay um, for an album, you can collect their emails and you can actually directly message them um, later on. So you kind of build your community, you can post on your wall and people who have supported your releases, they can check those messages. That's not something you can do on a traditional DSP. Like you wouldn't be able to, you don't know who is listening to your tracks. Essentially, you won't be able to message them at least for the time of recording this podcast. So this kind of, it, it is a bit similar to SoundCloud's messaging system, but I would say it's, it's way better. And Bandcamp does allow you this kind of freedom of promoting your music and and, and organizing your fans. And again, hardcore fans um, who are willing to go the extra mile to to support you. Uh, a few other thoughts of, about uh, their motto. One other thing is like they state that a, on average, 82% of the money that... Uh, are paid out by fans, go directly to the artist, and then what's left is basically a transaction fees and the cut for Bandcamp. I, I think that's very interesting, and I I've been following the growth f- since before starting Stereo Fox, and it's been steady, which I like. I like this approach, like steady wins the race. But they, from what I've heard, they've had some sort of hyper growth uh, since the pandemic started, because I think there is there has been a lot of discussions on among fans of how can I actually support the artist? Is it worth playing the album on repeat for like three weeks so they can get, I don't know, $50 or something, or I can just directly directly pay them? And I think with that, these discussions up in the air, especially artists who have managed to build communities and more, I would say, niche communities, have kind of gathered together around this notion of I'm going to directly support this artist, I'm going to pay for the album even though I can stream it, or I'm going to buy vinyl or a cassette, for that matter. Um, so yeah, that's that's been pretty interesting, um, and I'm very happy that we can do this episode today, and I can just randomly share my thoughts about Bandcamp. I realized it's been, I don't know, five or 10 minutes, and I'm still talking about the platform as a whole, but I am promise we're gonna dig into some features uh, in a bit. Speaking of features, one interesting thing to highlight for those who do like to do live events is in 2020, I think, or earlier this year, they launched the live events um, so now if you go on their on their front page you and if you scroll down you can see a list of upcoming live events and what's cool about that is one, it facilitates the process of you streaming there is like a schedule going on like for example there is a concert uh, to tomorrow 2 a.m my time uh, and then I can subscribe or I can actually pay tickets for that live. But with the ticket, I'm actually getting a copy of the of the record, which the artist is promoting. So I think it's a pretty cool idea. The live events also have a chat so people can interact with each other. Um, I think the feature only makes sense for, for what they, they are trying to do. Um, and it's something I particularly love about them because they are very quick in terms of launching and kind of pivoting their product. Uh, so kudos to the Bandcamp team if they listen to that. Another feature I like on their website on the front page is they actually have a live stream of all the albums which are being purchased um, in real time. So since I started this sentence, there has been like 10 albums being purchased and you know which country the fan was in and how much he paid for the album or what he actually purchased. You can even see like, I, I literally launched the screen and somebody paid $350 for an album. So... I don't know how many streams is that, but it's it's quite a lot, and it's really awesome seeing this like real time, especially if you know the album. Actually, a few times um, happened to me, but yeah, that is Bandcamp in a nutshell. Uh, one last thing I would like to to kind of point out, and what I appreciate about the growth again, going back to the steady wins the race. They, um, as far as I know, they're not talking about scaling and, and overtaking the world. I don't think Bandcamp is for everyone, but it. It has man- they've managed to carve a very special niche, which is not even a niche anymore. And I really believe in the future of this product and, and, and their mission and vision, because they have been standing by that for the past 15 years. So even though we use it for, I would say, a year, a year and a half, and I can't say as a label we have a s- serious success yet, It is very important for an artist nowadays to understand um, what they can get out of this and how they can use the platform for their benefit. I hope the the conversation, the monologue so far was interesting. Um, Before dialing in Ali, I'm going to talk a bit more about the features of the platform and how we are using it as as a label. So you have a few different options. Obviously, you have an artist account and the label account. And what the label account allows you is to cluster together artists under one sort of profile. Um, You can also add your merch there in community, uh, which is where you post um, your physical goods. One important thing to note is when I say merch, you list your items you want to sell, whether that's your like vinyls or external web. Like for example, we're using curates for, for pressing vinyls. But this, the whole fulfillment um, is actually not done by Bandcamp. They are not responsible for this. They're just facilitating the process. Um, and then you can basically add your discography on the website. You upload the track, you add the information about the release. There is a quick pitch. There is the capabilities to use tags, which is how to, like say, what kind of genre your release is. You add all the correct metadata and essentially you publish it on your page. Um, if you're just starting now, a good thing would be to drive fans and like sort of followers on the profile. And as you build up your community, every time you release um, some a new album or a, tr- or a single or EP, you can send a message directly to the people who are following you or to those who have previously supported, and then get notified, oh, by the way, there is a new release by StereoFox. Um, Another cool thing that Bandcamp gives you as a, our artist or label is stats. So it um, gives you sort of a map where the streamings, the streams are coming from, how many like streams you have per day, how many sales, where, what are the sources, meaning do they came from organic search in Google or through the search engine in Bandcamp itself, um, which is pretty cool because it's a very nice overview of how your yeah, releases are doing. You can also see the geographical location of the fans, um, and how the host the streams uh, kind of translate into sales. When setting up your releases, I've seen different things. So you can put um, fixed price. You can also say uh, fixed price, but fans can pay more. I've seen that like a track is mm, let's say one dollar, but then people paying two. You can also say, name your price, meaning they can get it for free so they can just type zero, but then you can get their email, which is also, I would say, quite valuable. It depends on your strategy with your music. Um, and also, you can kind of pair uh, the digital releases with your physical goods. So um, we are gearing up for release of uh, Boyan's next EP uh, next month, which we are all very excited about. And we're gonna be vi- we're going to be doing vinyls. So, for example, what what we are planning to do is if you buy a digital copy of the album, you can get 10% discount on the vinyl um, so you can pair all those stuff together. You can also um, kind of have some special offer like buy my whole discography for, I don't know, 80% discount. So you end up maybe, I don't know if you have like 5 albums, people can get them for like 20 euros or something like that. Um, there is like quite a unlimited amount of capabilities on the platform itself. Design-wise, there is also stuff you can do like um, banners, uh, colors, um, and like the color scheme and stuff like that. Uh, It's not as free as uh, one would want, uh, but to be honest, this kind of standardization is quite nice because it's just a very easy way for people to create beautiful landing pages for their music. If you want to see how we've set up our Bandcamp, you can find us at wearestereofox.bandcamp.com. Uh, or link in our Instagram bio, I would say. And now uh, the second part of the podcast is, as I said, uh, it's going to be with Ali Giuliani, who is label manager for Bandcamp. He and his team has actually helped me on a few occasions. We got hacked a few weeks ago, and they were super quick with uh, helping us figure this out. And with him, we're going to speak a bit about his journey so far. um, What does a label representative day look like uh, and how can artists actually get the best out of Bandcamp? So, next we have Ali Giuliani. Well, Ali, thanks for joining me and thanks for taking the time. It's a real honor uh, to have you on the podcast.
1: No, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: And usually I've, I always do email interviews for the past seven years. So I always start with just tell us one random non-music fact about yourself.
1: Oh wow! Okay, non-music fact about myself. Um, Okay, well, I guess my other big uh, passion in life, aside from music, is is uh, football. Um, And I'm a a season ticket holder at Tottenham Hotspur, uh, which is a team in London. And I've been going there for well, wait, wait, how long? Twenty six years now. I've been a season ticket holder there since I was a kid, and it's actually the the thing I have missed almost more than going to live shows and all of that sort of stuff over the oh. last year or so has been not going to watch football matches with my friends. So yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I wonder if there is a band camp for football fans. That might be an interesting product idea for people. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I think um, yeah, football football fandom uh, online is quite a um, it can be quite an aggressive place. So I don't know if that would quite fit with our Bandcamp is, but let's, let's see, yeah. who knows? <laughs> Very different.
0: Yeah. Um, before talking about Bandcamp, you're the founder of First World Record. Hmm. And we're talking with Brianna, we are huge. Actually, we, I knew the label. I didn't know that you're the guy behind him, and Brianna uh, knew okay. that as well. So we are huge fans of your artists. And how, like, how has your path been before joining Bandcamp? And what have you learned for the past 20 years running the label?
1: Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the way I kind of got into it was through, um, I was originally, originally I did kind of, I managed a band. I mean, I didn't really, I say I managed a band. I was someone they knew that had a car and a phone. So I was their manager, you know, (laughs) not much real ability or expertise back then. Um, and then I kind of got into club promotion and it was just this situation where there was a lot of, um, a lot of great music in the city that I lived in at the time, a place called Leeds, which is in in the north of England, and uh, and it was just weird that there was loads of great music, but not no label in the city. So it was a natural step for for us to um, try and change that and try and set something up. So um, so really, I think the, the my path in it and, it and it kind of chimes really well with what Bandcamp is about is it really comes from that DIY mindset of just like, if you want to do something, you figure mm-hmm. out how to do it yourself and you just do it and, and get on with it, you know? And, um, and that's an ethos that sort of really extends into Bandcamp as well. So I, I think, yeah, it, you know, I think for me, like a lot of the lessons I've learned have been about knowing, trying, it's always about trying to figure out what, what it is that you should learn how to do yourself and mm-hmm. um, what it is that you should just let someone else do and pay for, or or what's the cost effective way of making that happen, do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you know, well. yeah, just like understanding your strengths and weaknesses and, you know, and it's something I say often to artists, like, you know, I do some mentoring and, and for, for some emerging artists mm-hmm. and um, I think artists have a lot of pressure now to like be everything and do everything. And the simple fact is that no one became an artist because they wanted to be really great at social media or learn how to do an email campaign like they you do it because you love yeah. music and all the other stuff you kind of need to do but i think we sometimes pressure ourselves to that like if we're not really good at that then we're failing and it's like no there's no reason why you should be good at that stuff if, if you are brilliant it's a real bonus um but actually it's fine to ask for help and find other people to do the bits you don't want to and you know and that's kind of what Bandcamp is really it's like you know we know it's important for artists to sell directly to their fans but how many artists have got the time or ability to create their own e-commerce site? You know, it's really difficult to have yeah. up-to-date features and all of that. So, like something like Bandcamp's a really kind of obvious thing and really useful tool for for artists and labels to use.
0: It's it's funny just to uh, to go back to something you said about social media. It's mm. I don't know. I just thought about the fact that um, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but. Nowadays, it's actually I see people who are great at social media who become artists. Yeah. <laughs> you get a like a viral hit. I, I was surprised to see, you know, one of those, the TikTok campaigns and then it's someone who was just doing social media and now because they have a million followers Yeah, they, being an artist. But I, I know exactly what you mean. It's pretty much what we're trying to do with, with our label and working with artists. And mm. they often yeah, just it, need it to make something
1: they like. And then yeah, for the yeah, other can, stuff. Com, com, um, completely yeah yeah
0: and uh you've been in Bankamp for almost six years which i assume means that you really love your job <laughs> how, like did you naturally end up did you apply for a position or how did you tr- i know you're still obviously running uh, first word records mm. but how did you transition into doing both things
1: So yeah, um, so I I kind of got to know. I used Bandcamp from very, very early on for for the label. Um, Like I think we signed up for our account in like 2009, and early days. Yeah, and just from and I kind of I knew Andrew Jervis, who who is is my my boss, and he uh, Mm -hmm. hosts the Bandcamp Weekly. And I knew Andrew from before because he used to run a label called Ubiquity Records, which is in a sort of similar space to to what I do with First Word. And um, and I got to know him. Well, I knew him and got to know him a bit better just through sending him music. And also, I met Ethan, uh, um, who is the founder of Bandcamp, uh, again just through sending in like feature requests and ideas and stuff. And um, and then when they, you know, when Bandcamp launched label-specific accounts, which is sort of at the end of two thousand fourteen, um, uh, Andrew and Ethan were actually in London, and they met up with a few labels. To ask us about their plans for the label accounts, and you know what we thought of what they've been making, and you know, so we exchanged a few uh, emails, and well, we met up, and then talked a bit after that. And then, um, and I needed work at that time. You know, um, I, I'd been doing a variety of other things and DJing and all sorts of stuff to kind of make money because it's quite hard to make money out of the label. And I just mm-hmm. asked them if there was any work that I could usefully do for them and they said well actually yeah you know we just launched these accounts for labels it would be really great to spread the word about that to people in the UK so you know my initial job was just freelancing for a couple of days a week and it was just go and sign up as many labels as you possibly can um and that freelance role was 3 months and then it became 6 months and then 9 months and then it became a permanent job so I've been yeah permanently at the company now for 5 years but but I was doing a, a year freelance before that, so it's really like there wasn't a there wasn't a job going. But I it was just good timing that I asked at a time where actually I could be useful to them. So
0: asking how you can help is kind of the best thing. Yeah, we've yeah, we've got people like that on the team as well, and it's. And it's awesome.
1: Mm, mm. Currently,
0: yeah. you are overseeing Europe, right?
1: Yeah, that's Not right. To- yeah. So so the role has kind of changed a little bit over time. So, you know, I started just signing up labels in the UK and then it naturally became, you know, people I knew in Europe and and doing more of that. And I think now it's like there is that outreach and kind of signing people up. But obviously, I think Bandcamp's profile is much higher now for a number of reasons uh, than it was back then. So there's less of that, but also now it's more... Um, you know, representing the company at conferences and talks and panels, and then Mm -hmm. also lots of education and kind of just keeping good relations with all the labels and artists that use Bandcamp in Europe and making sure that they're okay and helping out where I can and letting them know about new features and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, um, it's become a slightly different role, but it's it's really fun. It's quite um, varied, which I really like. I think I, I kind of get bored easily if it was just the same thing over and over again. So it's it's um, it really suits me. And I, yeah, I, as, as you rightly uh, guessed, I do love my job. I'm very lucky to have it.
0: Speaking of features, you guys, like the latest, I would say biggest feature you've released since the pandemic started was the live events. Mm. Um, w- do you have like an overview and information of, um, how is like, I know people are doing lives cause I can see obviously in the homepage. I've actually seen a few, mm. um, but do people mostly use it to kind of match, okay, I'm doing a live stream sessions by the way. Uh, cause I, early in the podcast, I speak about the fact that you can match it with your, let's say album release. So if you buy tickets to my live show, you're going to get an album. Mm. Is that the idea behind or is it more like a standalone random shows?
1: Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting question actually. It's kind of both. I think, um we're definitely seeing some of the most successful ones are, are those that are based around an album launch. So actually on my own label, we, we did one for an artist of ours called children of Zeus who had a, a new album that came out last month. <laughs> we love them. Oh, cool. <laughs> just- oh, great. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're great. And, and, you know, they're really, they're a good act to try with because they've got a very big following on Bandcamp and, and have done since, you know, right since the first, uh, seven inch we released, you know, five, five or so years ago. And, um, yeah, so what we did with them was we did a, a, a sort of a live stream uh, one week before the album came out, and it was the first time to hear a lot of the tracks that were on the album. Um, and that worked really yeah. well. Like, it wasn't like a massive like money maker. Although it did all right, actually. You know, they 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 did okay in tickets. So they sold quite a lot of tickets, mm-hmm. but they deliberately made the ticket price quite cheap because they just wanted people to to come and join in. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but what was great was just people really responded, like you've got, you know, so you stream directly from your Bandcamp page and then you've got your like merch table below so people can buy music and merchandise while they're watching the show without having to leave the window. But then there's also yeah. the chat room and and people were just loving like chatting with one another, a lot of people who knew each other in there and obviously haven't seen each other because of, of COVID and the lockdowns and stuff. And they were requesting tracks and getting shout-outs from the guys. And people just loved that. They really loved that direct connection with the artist. Um, So I think that worked really well. And we're actually going to, at the moment, you know, all shows on Bandcamp Live are, you have to charge. They are sort of ticketed. Mm -hmm. But we are going to enable free shows in the next few months. Um, And and alongside that, there'll be some other little features that we're adding in that will kind of... um, Give a bit more option for people to do things like listening parties or album playbacks that kind of thing um would so, you would uh,
0: artists can use that for sort of not just live performance but more like kind of meet and greet like exclusive yeah
1: i, I, I think limited
0: that, spots that people can actually talk to
1: yeah i think that's like, a, I don't, la, yeah i people, think that's a i think that's a really good idea actually and i think it is something we are seeing people start to try out i mean for me, I, I, you know, I'm personally, I was quite sceptical about live stream shows, like in general at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, when it sort of became such a big thing. Because, you know, I like going to proper shows. We all do, right? We like, you know, yeah. having people spill beer on our shoes and all of that stuff that you get when you're in a, a proper live show.
0: my case, not being able to see the band because I'm on very tourist economy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, so, um but actually, what I've seen is, to me, I've seen some brilliant live shows, um, you know, both on Bandcamp and not. And to me, there's two ways to go. Um, I think the key principle above all is you can't just treat it like you're doing a show. Like if you just turn up at a venue that you always play at and play your show and don't really acknowledge the, what it is you're doing, it can be good. But I, I just, I, for me, that sometimes lacks a bit of something. I think you've got to understand that it's a different type of performance. And for me, there are two ways that you can go. You either go really high end. And uh, like, I, I don't know if you guys know, but there's an artist called Laura Marling over here hired this beautiful venue in London that's a church. It's like a very famous venue called the Union Chapel. And um, she had drone footage and she had lighting and multiple cameras and there was backstage footage. And so it was like, It was an experience that you couldn't get if you were going to the live show. Like you wouldn't get that. The flip side is you go totally the other way and you do it from your home studio and it's super intimate and you're interacting with the audience that's watching and that's in the chat room. And I think that again is, it's sort of giving you something that you wouldn't get at a real show. And I think that's the key. That's where the exciting thing is going to happen with live streaming. Not just while we're still you know dealing with covid and all of that but even going forward into the future i think that's where it gets interesting and and what you suggested in terms of like q a's and that kind of thing i think that's exactly right that's kind of that's the the exciting bit for me um and especially the platform like bandcamp i think that really plays into the kind of fan that uses bandcamp i think that's the sort of thing that they would really love
0: yeah, that's um, something I speak about before. Like what I I do appreciate, so we as a label use it for about a year or mm. so. Thanks again for onboarding us. <laughs> All good. <laughs> I use the platform actually since before Stereo Fox, like 2011 as a fan. Mm. And, and I've always loved it and I've always followed uh, like how it's been developing. But what I do appreciate um, the most is every time we release, you can just send out a message to the fans. Mm. And actually we do get decent traction like I know when I send out this short message with the with a blurb kind of oh we're dropping this today that I can actually talk to these people and that's the only place actually you can you can do it mm. even if, even in SoundCloud where you have some sort of messaging yeah you still can't do that mm. so I do see Bandcamp as the perfect place for um kind of incorporating this kind of like Q&A or intimate concerts with fans because it's sort of a communication with the with your audience mm. and not like a traditional DSP where you just put the album up and playlisting goes on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was really happy about uh, this. Yeah. This uh, no, I think you're really right. Uh, I think it is kind of um, uh, one of the things I always say to people about Bandcamp when they're kind of like, "Well, how do I how do I get the most out of being on Bandcamp?" and 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 I think it is like the more you use, it's sort of not a very helpful answer in a way, but like the more you use it, the more you'll get out of it. And the more you personalise it and the more you do like what you've done of like recognising what fans respond to, why they follow you on Bandcamp, why they choose to buy on Bandcamp over other platforms um, and understanding what kind of fan they are. And and I think the cool thing is, is quite often the kind of fan they are is probably the kind of fans that we all are as people who yeah. run labels and release music. You know, we, we, we don't, it's not like a casual thing. It's something that's so centrally important to us in our lives. And we want to know more and we want to understand how it all works and, and we have an appreciation of how the business side of it works as well, you know, um, uh, you know, more than your sort of casual listener. And I think that's, you know, leaning into that and recognizing that and and adapting how you use the platform with that in mind. I think that's that's a really good path to success, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. One, because we also have a Discord server with mm. quite a lot of artists, and I posted earlier today with some. If somebody wants to ask a specific question that fits the conversation, um, I wanted to ask you a bit about the whole release strategy. And one of the guys in the server, Aaron, asked um, Would you say that bands or artists who focus on releasing their music exclusively on Bandcamp, let's say a month before mm. the traditional release, get a better Traction, or let's how to put it, have, have higher chance of be, g- getting noticed from the marketing team of Bandcamp, mm. like because they have this edge of okay, my music is just on Bandcamp right now. Yeah,
1: okay, so um, that's a really good question. Um, in terms of editorial, um, we we do not uh, pr- give preferential treatment to people who window their music or just exclusively mm-hmm. release with Bandcamp. If people want to do that, of course they can, but it's not something that we sort of would get, would, we're not going to give people coverage because they're doing that, you know. There's no extra
0: points, I say. No,
1: no. Yeah. We, I think, you know, like my advice to people about that and that whole question of whether you should be exclusively on Bandcamp or have it on Bandcamp first, my, my thing is, I would never tell people not to put their music on a platform. I think particularly when you're an emerging artist, it's good to be everywhere where your fans might be. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's more about where you direct your fans to. And if you direct... So, you know, part of, part of being on these platforms is that you're earning money from fans that already exist. And part of it is that you're finding new fans, right? Um, for the fans that you already have, And you're already in communication with them, whether that's via email or whether it's via Bandcamp messaging systems or whether it's via social media. Mm -hmm. um, If you direct, you can direct them to other platforms, to other DSPs, where you earn very little money. You get no data about who those people are, um, and you know it's kind of a a drop in the ocean a lot of the time, particularly when you're you're smaller and starting out. Or if you send them to Bandcamp, not only you're gonna definitely earn some money from them if they like the music, um, but you're also gonna probably get their email address and you'll be able to use the messaging to get in touch with them. And the next time you release something, it will, um, they'll get the notification about that. Um, And I think that's really important to think about. I mean, it's something like, you know, I mean, with my own label, I have all my music on every, not every service, but most platforms and most of the major streaming platforms. And one of the things I found really interesting, I was thinking about this the other day, is obviously we all want playlisting, right? Like that's the kind of the golden ticket when it comes to Spotify, for example.
0: Yeah, actually the first two episodes of the podcast is about the Spotify editorial
1: Yeah, play- <laughs> it's, so- <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. And the thing that was really interesting to me is when you get playlisted, uh, you know, when people like share their stats and like this many people listen to me and blah, blah, blah. Let's say that you're on a playlist and your track... 25 out of 100, right? If someone listens to your song, so that's a stat saying they listen to you. If they don't look down at their phone while they're listening, they don't even know who you are. Yeah, you have to be really exceptional. Yeah, you know, so it's it's sort really? of like, you're, you're not then necessarily, I mean, obviously there are ways of doing it, but you're not necessarily converting that casual listener into a fan and into someone who's gonna check for your stuff. They might listen to it and go, oh, that was good, but if, you know, they're not looking at their phone or they're doing something else or whatever, they might not see who you are and they might never find you again. You just, you don't know. Uh, obviously there are, there's the AI and the algorithms that will probably send you back to that again. But, but you know, those, that's something that you don't really have control of as an artist. Um, so I kind of think that, yeah, like for me, the sort of benefit of pushing, uh, the, the benefit of the, the, the let me put it another way. The, the way I'd sort of suggest people to do things in terms of how they, you know, releasing things on Bandcamp early or not, I think put things up in every place that you think is important to you and, and that your fans are at. But you have a very definite choice of where you can choose to send people to. And, and I would suggest that for a lot of artists, sending people to Bandcamp is, uh, is going to be a more lucrative um, uh, part of building a career and building a fan base. Yeah, for me, like uh, having the DSPs
0: and bank, for me, it's two very different things.
1: Mm.
0: An artist, as you said, should try and be everywhere. And it's like, for one thing, is earning fans and followers is very different than being playlisted. Yes. But it's highly unlikely, as I said, somebody is going to unfollow you. Or in that case, in the case of Bandcamp where they buy your album, obviously I don't have the data, but I would assume they probably going to buy your next album as well.
1: Yeah, I I think um, you can definitely see that. I mean, if you actually look, if you download our app, so the the app we have two apps: there's the app for fans, and there's the app for artists and labels. uh, Both of which were on iOS and Android. So if you download the artist app and you look at your stats, and in each in your sales, you can tap on the release, and it will show you where each of the sales came from, and you'll see that a huge number of them come from the release notifications that are sent out to fans, uh, which is exactly what you're saying. It's, you know, someone bought something in the past and then they'll buy the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, yeah, you're, you're completely right. It's a, um, it, it's a big part of it. And, and I'd say, you know, in addition to that, I think having physical product for sale, I know it's it's difficult and it's not always possible, particularly with the way uh, vinyl manufacturing is right now, but, um, fans on Bandcamp love buying vinyl and tapes and all kinds of things. And I think having that added into the mix as well can really, really help um, sort of build that, that strong and loyal fan base.
0: Actually, this matches with another community question we had from T Peters today, who mm. was basically asking, like, what are the good incentives to get fans to engage with besides streaming the music? And do you have any... Um, like data points on what works better. Is it vinyl? Is it tapes? Is it actual Mm. merchandise um, that our fans prefer? I know it's very individual, Yeah, but the the big data, Mm. like you Uh, see a preference, is that vinyls?
1: Yeah. So I think, so we look at uh, 2020, we sold 2 million vinyl records on Bandcamp in 2020 and 1 million cassettes. Uh, And those were the two biggest formats by quite a distance. Um, CDs still sell pretty well, but, you know, not as much. I think I think vinyl and, and tape are the kind of two big ones. Um, uh, you know, I think one of the things we sort of found is that like physical sales on Bandcamp now makes up half of our income on the site. Okay. So it's a very significant part of, of the business. Um, but we discovered a couple of years ago, we did some research on this, that only 12% of the releases on Bandcamp had vinyl added to them. Uh, and we know the reasons why it's, you know, it's expensive and it's, uh, there's minimum <laughs> order numbers and it's inaccessible for a lot of people. And that's why we created the vinyl crowdfunding, um, service that we offer, whereby, you know, you can set up a digital album, choose what kind of vinyl you want, how much you want to charge for it. And then, uh, it turns into a 30 day campaign. And then if you get enough pledges, we will manufacture and ship your records to your fans for you. Um, okay, that's yeah.
0: Similar to Curate, I assume. What's that? Sorry. Like uh, it's sort of it's similar to curates oh yeah
1: yeah exactly yes yeah. it's similar sort of system but i think the advantage being obviously that it's still within the yeah, ecosystem that you've you've already created which is um which is would you say most people meet their
0: meet their kind of crowdfunding goals
1: uh yeah i mean you know so we do we don't enable it for every account and if you if your account is um i mean if anyone's interested in getting their account enabled then then they can email me i'm just ally, Aly at bandcamp.com you can drop me a line and i can pass it on to the team um we will only kind of uh green light campaigns that we think have a good chance of success um mm-hmm. because you know there is still quite a lot of work from our side just to get a camp you know to approve it and check that it works and all of that so you know we do need to we do still need to see that you're going to be able to, you know, there's a good chance of you being able to get 200 or so pledges through. I think because of that sort of vetting procedure, 95% of our campaign, I don't know exact numbers, but a a large proportion of our campaigns are successful just because, you know, we can tell whether it's likely to work or not. But what was really interesting was there was one um, artist this year, an artist called Lizzie McAlpine, who her management approached us about wanting to do a vinyl campaign, and she was not on Bandcamp at all at that okay. point. But she had a huge Instagram following and a huge TikTok following, uh, and we kind of were like, "Look, she's got this big following elsewhere. Let's try it and see." Even though normally we would say, "Look, you need to be on Bandcamp, and we need to have seen that you've had sales history," and you know,
0: yeah, you've done stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. But we tried this as an experiment, and her her campaign funded in like less in like a two, three hours, I think it was very, very successful. And that was really interesting to me that she took fans from these very lean back kind of, uh, you know, uninvasive platforms like Instagram and TikTok, where people are just watching what you're doing or, you know, looking at nice pictures or whatever, or videos or reels or whatever it might be. And she managed to get them to then pay her 20 euro for a vinyl record. And that, That was really interesting to me. I think that kind of shows the power of that kind of thing. Um, And we've seen similar with live, you know, people who've kind of, maybe people who are already on Bandcamp, but the fans that are coming to the live shows, a lot of them are new fans. They've Mm -hmm. never used Bandcamp before. They don't have a fan account and they're now setting up and then hopefully they'll start buying music from other people too. So that side of things is quite interesting to me.
0: We were we were talking with Bian before we started recording about the f- in general the future of music and the building a following. So my personal opinion, as someone who's been kind of keeping an eye on the industry for a while, is that we're gonna. I think in the next five years we're gonna enter a lot more niche community sort of because mm-hmm. f- one for the overabundance <coughs> of music, which has is good and it's sometimes bad, just because there's so much great music and artists, and you have twenty four hours. Mm. I, I do think the the future of band camp essentially because I don't I don't even think there is an alternative to to that where you can really keep your community for yourself sort of mm. it's more important now than than ever with the like it's easier it, not in a bad way but it's just easier to make music nowadays than 15 years ago when like when I was a teenager sure like access to hardware and stuff like that mm. of course I was also lazy <laughs> back then but, so I don't know if if that makes sense. What yeah, I said, no,
1: but- no, I, I know what you mean. I think, I mean, I think um, you mentioned sort of Discord before and I think communities around Discord servers and, uh, um, you know, it's almost like I think the internet has become so, you know, quite, you know, as I said before, kind of quite aggressive in places and and very confrontational. Um, and I think I'm, we're seeing more of a return to kind of how the web was, 10, 15 years ago with specialist message forums, you know, whether that's like, you know, even obviously we can had things like Reddit, but then I think it's kind of gone more, like you say, into these like private gated communities for people who, you know, they want to engage with like-minded people, but they don't want to have to get into arguments about politics or, you know... What it was
0: the best album with
1: yeah exactly or just like what yeah what you know what some celebrity is doing that you don't really care about or whatever whatever it might be um uh, and I think yeah we definitely see that within bandcamp as well like like you say you know when you send those messages out you get the comments and I mean like one of the things I, re- I saw and I can't remember the artist that did it but um you know we have obviously the bandcamp Fridays where we, where we waive our fees and there was an just, artist yeah um I mean it's yeah that's uh it's been a quite a ride doing that and it's been really amazing to see how people have responded to it but there was an artist who didn't have a release out on the Bandcamp Friday but they messaged all their followers just saying hey it's Bandcamp Friday tomorrow um here's 10 things that I'm going to be buying uh what are your recommendations and then they got a bunch of recommendations from people in the comments and there was like people sharing music and it's like that's what it's about and that worked so well and I just thought that was such a a cool thing, and it and it shows what you're saying, really, which is that, yeah, you know, we you can have that that more um, sort of finding your tribe of people online and 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 it, interacting with them and sharing experiences with them and sharing music, which I think is is great.
0: I do love the collections page so on Bandcamp. Mm. I mean, I don't need to explain to you, but those and yeah. haven't used Bandcamp when you buy music, you essentially end up on your collections page and you can browse what people support. I've sometimes ended up like buying an album and then checking to other people who've done that. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, like what else did they buy? Yeah. Like why people? And which brings me to my, like one of the other questions I had for you. Basically, can we just list all the exposure opportunities that, uh, which Bandcamp sure. provides to artists? Yeah. Like, we can start with Bandcamp Weekly, which it's... I'm, I still listen to it every week. We, yeah. It's a nice it's a new music actually when we have to write something for stereofox Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's so there's a there's a few different things. So I think um I mean you mentioned the Bandcamp Weekly, so I'll start there. So we have we actually have three radio shows now that um we we post. Um uh, and they're just available at Bandcamp.com on the front page. There's the Bandcamp Weekly, which um kind of covers uh Black music broadly, I guess, you know, um, jazz, soul, um, world music, house, electronica, that kind of thing. Uh, And then we have two specialist shows, one uh, which are both every two weeks uh, on a Friday, they sort of alternate. So we have one metal show and one hip hop show. Uh, and the idea is that we'll probably expand those uh, to other shows at some point down the line. There's no concrete plans, but but I think that's what we'd like to do. Um, so we have the radio. And then and that's been going quite a while. And then five years ago, we launched the Bandcamp Daily, which is our written editorial. Um, so we have uh, five editors based in Brooklyn, New York, and about 100 freelance writers all over the world. And their job is to cover the breadth of great music on Bandcamp through written articles. So it's a combination of features, lists. You know, we have regular monthly columns for a range of different genres, including jazz, punk, metal, um, ambient, dance, 12 inches, uh, reissues. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then we also have like an album of the day in our new and notable section, which is just little one-line reviews that we put up sort of three or four of those a day of releases that we can't fully cover, but, um, but, uh, but still want to support. Um, And that's really great. I mean, I think what's kind of cool about it as well is that it's a really interesting publication. We've got some very, very good writers. We like covering music that isn't being covered by other people. We like covering great stories as well. I think that's something to really bear in mind is it's not just your music being good. It's also something that's going to be interesting for someone who knows nothing about you. They'll read the headline and think, that sounds interesting. And then they'll read the story about you you or your music and think, yeah, I want to listen to this. I want to check it out. So I think, you know, that's something to really think about with that. You know, another thing with with the editorial is just to bear in mind timelines. Um, for a full feature, we need to get the music from you eight or nine weeks before release date. For- Fantastic. Quite a lot of planning. Yeah, was- because, you know, we'll we'll commission a writer, you know, we'll maybe set up an interview, we maybe do a photo shoot. I mean, it's a bit harder at the moment, obviously, but, you know, we have done in the past. So we need a lot of time. Uh, for album of the day on New and Notable, it's more like four or five weeks lead time mm-hmm. is good. But it's very competitive. I mean, we get over 2,000 pitches a week and we post about four stories a day. So... Uh-huh. The, the maths is against you <laughs> but um but we're just looking at more and more ways to be able to cover a wider range of music without mm. dropping the quality you know because i think that's obviously massively important um our editorial team are completely independent as well they're not pressurized by
0: yeah.
1: Bandcamp or by large labels or anything like that to cover things yeah, they,
0: like it. they like
1: it yeah exactly yeah um but i think you know and, and another thing is when you pitch to us we just want a Bandcamp link. It doesn't have to be publicly on sale yet. It can be private because we have admin access and can see things, but we don't want a SoundCloud link. We don't want a Spotify link. We don't want a download link to a 50 <laughs> tracks of WAVs box, of your beat yeah. tape. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So we just want the Bandcamp link. And then we know it's on the site as well, which is obviously important because we do get pitched stuff that isn't even on Bandcamp and it's like, well, we can't help you here. So, um, Yeah. So I think bear all that in mind, I'd really recommend everyone check out our guide, which is just at bandcamp.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. And it has a really good rundown of like all of the editorial procedures. It has a submission form if you're an independent artist of how you can send your music in. Um, And it lists a bunch of other kind of good tips about, you know, design and merchandise and photos and all the other things that you can do with Bandcamp. Um, In terms of other ways of discovery. So we're now at the point where one in three sales on Bandcamp comes from our discovery tools that we've built. So it's like you bring in two sales from your fans and we will add a third on average mm-hmm. across the site. So, you know, we have the collections, as you mentioned, you can follow other fans and you get an email once a week rounding up the music that they've been buying and you can click through to things. And then if someone buys something of your recommendation, you'll get an email saying, you know, awesome, you helped sell this record by, by. Right, uh, yeah, it, it's a nice, it's a fun thing to do. Um, so we have that. We have our recommended albums footer at the bottom of the page um, where you know, we will show items that other people have bought who bought this. We'll sort of put that on the page there. And I think the, the kind of really you know, interesting thing about that is that all of our discovery comes from human interaction. It's from humans deciding to write about something or deciding to buy something. And that's where it all comes from, which makes it very different to other places. Yeah, so I think yeah the discovery side of it there's there's a lot of ways for your music to be found um and again i just think the more you interact with it the better i mean actually like the the fan accounts that you mentioned in your collection page it's Mm -hmm. actually something i'd really recommend artists to do like if you're an artist and you're a dj or you just buy a lot of music on Bandcamp, create a fan account and you can share that with your fans and like you know if you're the kind of artist that you want to interact with your fans but you don't want to be posting a photo of your breakfast on instagram every day this is a really nice way more interesting yeah exactly you're just showing people what music you buy and what you're into um uh, so i think yeah that's there's some kind of cool opportunities in in that side of things to to do good stuff and you know we have our bestsellers lists as well and tag pages so you know people can kind of find things through that and and do exactly what you said where you know you just on each release page, there's like little thumbnail images of all the fans that have bought it. And you can just click on a fan's image, see what music they've been buying, follow them, or maybe find something new. And and you can find some crazy music that you would never otherwise find. Um, There's some
0: obscure stuff. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Let's just start digging the the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, I I think that's it. And there's there's actually a really good piece that we do in the Bandcamp Daily called, um, I think it's called Bandcamp Navigator, I think it's called. And it's basically the writer starts on one release page and then just does that thing of just clicking on different things and finding other music and they just write about all the weird music they find on their journey and it's it's really cool you, you, you again you know, they find some really wild stuff out there which is great
0: so cool yeah. would you so then would you recommend basically when label or artist uploaded a release to be very careful with the tags um, that's something we do like i, I always uh, use up to the 10 tags and i try to match those that because you have a lot of suggestions uh, mm-hmm. with but I always try to use the one which are capitalized because I feel that's the official one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hop or soul or jazz or chill hop.
1: Yeah, um, no, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's um the tagging is important. And I think, yeah, you know, picking up the ones that are on, you know, a good thing you can see the tags on any page at the bottom of the page. So if you mm-hmm. go on to an artist whose music is similar to yours or, or you would like it to be considered with them, and, you know, you can just pick the same ones so that you're kind of being found in the right place um, i think the tagging is really important i mean we had a thing a few years ago where there was a load of metal bands that kept tagging their music as children's music which was kind <laughs> of funny for, for a bit but it meant no one could find their music and then it meant people who are actually looking for children's music wound up with all these albums with satan in the title or whatever it was just like <laughs> not really very useful the other side of it um and this is one of my kind of favorite stories about something that that happened on Bandcamp. So our editorial team, you know, are considering all this music that they get pitched and, you know, they know a lot of music themselves. They're obviously huge music. I've never met a set of people who know more about such a wide range of music as these guys. And a few years ago, um, you know, they had all that, but they also, you know, they keep an eye on what's in the bestsellers and what's popping up just in case they've missed anything. And this record kept popping up in the bestsellers. So they clicked on it and listened to it and it was pretty cool. It was kind of like synthy, slight stoner metal sort of vibe to it a bit trip hop bit of lounge sort of stuff kind of okay this is pretty cool I, it's
0: massive attack
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah and then uh and then they clicked on the guy's website and he had like he'd drawn maps for every track and there was like a whole mythology and story and they were like this is cool like we could write about this anyway then they went back to the release page and they looked at the tags and it had tagged like ambient stoner metal Uh, Synth, and then it had dungeon synth. And they were like, What the hell is dungeon synth? Like, they'd not heard of this genre. So then they clicked on the tag, and if you click on the tag, it will bring up all releases that have that tag on them. And there were 10 pages of releases that were tagged as dungeon synth. So they commissioned a piece called A Guide to the Darkened Passages of Dungeon Synth. And it was the most read article that summer on the Bandcamp Daily. Um, and it was a genre that we didn't even know existed, but it was there on Bandcamp, and it found it created its own niche, um, and it was great. And 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 you know, we actually had a follow up, like a back to the dungeon, you know, volume two uh, article that came came up the next year. So, you know, I think if you have a kind of micro niche scene, it's worth making sure you're all tagging it with the same thing because you never know what could happen with it.
0: I am just on the article, I'm going to read it tonight.
1: It's really cool. It's pretty crazy music. Um, <laughs> just, and a, Another like really insane genre on Bandcamp, um, and there's an article in the Daily about it, is a, a, um, a genre called Extra Tone, which is the world's fastest music genre. Uh, and some tracks are like up to 10,000 BPM or something. It's It sounds <laughs> terrifying to me, but, um, but yeah, there, there was a really cool piece about that as well.
0: Each it, it's, its own, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Really, I, I love digging around, to be honest. Like Sometimes you don't get
0: what you expect, but that's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it all goes back to what our aim was, which was just to create an online record store. And, and you know, yeah. an, an online record store is going to, you know, it has personality and it has idiosyncrasies. And I think, you know, we all understand now that, that yes, there is AI and there are algorithms and they can predict your every move, but sometimes people do things that are unexpected and weird and sometimes someone who has only ever bought hip-hop suddenly buys a folk record and that's great and you know um, we try and encourage that kind of discovery where you're gonna find things that you wouldn't otherwise find but you'll really love um, I, I think that's the beauty
0: of having a human curation mm, guess yeah. because like for example I I hate YouTube because once you see five videos, you kind of see the same thing over and over again.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Like yeah.
0: You're, you're just not going,
1: yeah. going way out of it. Yeah. Ali,
0: thanks for, thanks for the conversation. Um, it was super cool. First uh, podcast with
1: external guests. Oh, I'm very honored. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really, really good to talk to you.
0: So to sum up artists and labels should check the guide on Bandcamp. Of course they can reach out to you. Mm. It's, impl- it's important to f- get your timing right. Good yeah. design, even better story, of course, with the music. Make sure you tag your yes. music and then I'm sure if it's good, someone's going to notice.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I think, you know, um, the, the, the my rule of thumb with Bandcamp is if there is a box for you to put some information in, put some information in it. If there is right. a place to add an image or personalize it, then do it it's your page it's not ours so you should really make it look like your own and um and yeah definitely check out the guide and and try out the live streaming and stuff like that because i think you know you can i mean i i went to a live stream show the other day i mean i've been to one that had like 3000 people attending and it was crazy the comment section was a bit insane but i went to one that had like 10 people but it was lovely it was a really beautiful experience it was just a guy playing a solo sax show from this guy's home studio and it was amazing and uh and i felt a real connection with that music and with that artist that i wouldn't have otherwise so i think you know there's um there's this real you know i think now more than ever people want that direct connection with the artists that they love so anything that you can do to encourage that and to to try and you know give a piece of yourself but in in a way that you're comfortable with i think is, is worth looking at and and there's a lot of tools on bandcamp to help you do that
0: Awesome. I have one last question because sure. I know you're doing a, you're listening to an LP a day in 2021, which is yeah. impressive. <laughs> yes. Whatever speaker that you've heard this year, regardless of the release year.
1: Um, so, oh regardless. gosh, that's a great question. Yeah. So this is something I did because I, I found that I listened to a lot of podcasts and I found that I was not listening to as much music anymore because um, just because, you know, my habits had changed. And I was like, I want to change that. So what started as just like a new year's resolution to myself has now ended up with me yeah, posting, taking a picture of a record or an image of the cover or whatever that I'm listening to every day and writing something about it on, on my Instagram page, um, which is just, uh, and it's like, sometimes it's about the music and sometimes it's more just about me and my stories and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. and I've really enjoyed getting back into the habit of listening to 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 albums um as for the best thing i've listened to this year oh my gosh that's such a hard question um i uh wait i had let me think let me think there's gotta be i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the page for inspiration because um yeah otherwise what will happen is i'll finish this call i'll go oh wait no i forgot oh you know what one that one that um but i got recently and in and i found via Bandcamp actually so it's a good link um john carroll kirby's record septet which is on stone's throw records is such a such a great record um john carroll kirby is this uh piano keyboard player who's like worked with uh solange and um uh frank ocean and a bunch of other people and then Uh, He also produced the uh, record by Eddie Chacon that came out last year, which is a really beautiful record. Um, And he's released a few records now with, with Stone Strut and this latest one, Septet um, is is brilliant. I actually, um, I bought the vinyl and someone stole it from outside of my house. So, (laughs) so I actually just bought it again and it's um, it arrived uh, just a couple of days ago. So I'll definitely be listening to that again uh, this week. So yeah, um, definitely recommend that one.
0: Are going to link the album in the podcast? No? The podcast yeah. No?
1: yeah, do. I'd really recommend people to check it out. It's it, it's it's brilliant.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for the call. Cool. Hopefully we do another one in the future because I think there's so much more to talk about when it comes to the music industry and just talk with someone else who loves music.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anytime. I wish you a great day and uh, yeah, talk soon. Cool. Thank you so much for having me and uh, yeah, hopefully catch you again soon.